All right. Hey, welcome everybody. Glad to uh, be back uh, with you. Glad to have Derek back with us this morning. Thanks to Wesley for uh, last week for leading in worship. Stephen, thank you for uh, being up here and guiding everybody in the message. And if you weren't with us last weekend, welcome back. We're glad to have you here uh, today. If you're still joining us online, we're thankful that you are present and, um, and here to be a part. Uh, as we'd like to remind you, if you are new here, we ask that you text CONNECT to 423-455-5530. should have one of these perhaps in front of you on the pew, or you can see it in the outside lobby and you can uh, be reminded about that. Just connect, you'll get a response back and then uh, be able to give us a little information. That's if you are, are brand new here to EB. If you're a returning guest or part of our EB family, uh, just scan that QR code that's there and check in with us. And we greatly appreciate you doing that to, to let us know that you're here and, and, and a part. Uh, we're starting a new series. And we're glad that you're here. Right? Just to make sure everybody pays attention. Right here. All the, um, all the ushers have one of these today. Um, we're going to make sure everybody pays attention. Nobody goes to sleep. We're starting a new series called The Sweet Spot. And for those of you who have uh, enjoyed playing baseball or golf, maybe you are aware that the sweet spot is a sports analogy that talks about that perfect area in the bat or in the club where it's just the perfect hit. I mean, it's the perfect strike. I remember uh, the, the only home run that I ever hit in my high school career. The only one. I know that might surprise you. Not that I, not that I only hit one. It's, you're surprised that I hit one. I understand. Uh, but it was the only one. I was in uh, Dalton, Georgia. I was playing for uh, Lakeview Fort Oglethorpe. We were taking on the Catamounts, and I'm a left-handed batter, and that ball dropped in nice and low there uh, near my feet, left-handed batters. Boy, we just love to get those low balls inside. I didn't even feel, didn't even feel the ball hit the bat. Didn't even feel it, but I saw it take off, and it, as it went up and cleared the right field fence, and it hit the light pole that was standing there behind the, now it didn't hit the lights, it hit the pole, okay? It hit the pole that was standing there behind that fence. And it was just this amazing feeling because I thought, wow, I did that. Man, I didn't even feel it. I mean, I just, oh, what, what a feel. It hit the sweet spot. And some of you, you've played golf and you know you've gotten up there and, and you've teed up your ball and, and you've had the best swing of your life. It usually occurs about the 18th hole, right? I mean, after you've already duffed everything, you get that one good swing, and it hits it in that sweet spot, and the ball takes off, and you're hoping that everybody else in your foursome is watching because you want there to be proof that you actually had one good shot in the day. But it's great when the ball hits that sweet spot. It's where everything is going right. In life, it's, well, it's when the money's coming in, and everybody's pretty, and and everybody's healthy, man, everything just seems to be going. You just think, man, I'm, I'm right there in the sweet spot of life. For me, that came in the eighth grade. That was my favorite grade of all time. Eighth grade, eighth grade was awesome. Uh, Lakeview Junior High School. And, and in eighth grade, man, I, I was in the Optimus Club and I, I was uh, on the football team and I played baseball and I was in the band. I mean, anything that you could join, anything that you could be a part of. I wanted to do and, and I wanted to be. In eighth grade was when I had my first girlfriend. I had my first girlfriend in eighth grade. Leanne Speaks. Oh, it was wonderful. It, it, it was wonderful. And, and at least it was for the first semester of eighth grade. My sweet spot only lasted a short amount of time. 
Because when second semester started, all of a sudden Leanne Spinks replaced me with, with somebody else. She pulled out my heart, threw it on the ground, stomped on it, and said, on fire. But I'm over that. And the more I talk about it, it helps. It really does. It, it's good. But there was a sweet spot time in my life. It was right there. It was for that one semester. Maybe you've had that before in your life. And maybe you're living it right now. And, and you, are, you are there. And you say, you know what? I don't know if life could really... I don't know if life could really get any better than what it is. Well, I want to challenge you this morning to say it can. It can be better than any home run you've ever hit. It can be better than any drive you've ever had. Your life can be better than any semester that you ever had in eighth grade. For the, for the Hebrews, for the Hebrews, they had seven years. They had a seven-year time frame where they had more victories than defeats. There were more weddings and there were funerals. There were more crops than drought. There was more rejoicing than there was crying. There was seven years of unparalleled success. They went from wilderness wanderers to promised land dwellers. And their time was so sweet. Their time was so sweet that in his journal, this is what Joshua wrote. So the Lord God gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors. And they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. And not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. Man, that's a sweet spot. I mean, that, that, is, that is life at its best. The Lord gave, it says, all the land. The Lord gave them rest on every side. They didn't have to worry about any problems. There were no enemies for them to be concerned about. And every single promise that the Lord had given to them was fulfilled. You know, perhaps for you, you don't need to cross the Jordan River. But you do need to get through this next week. You aren't facing the walls of Jericho, but you are facing the barriers of rejection and heartache. You're not battling Canaanites. But you are at war with loneliness and doubt and depre depression. You know, Joshua's journal, I think, dares us to believe that our best days are ahead. Now, here's my question for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your best days are ahead of you? Not behind you. That what God has in store no matter how good it has been in the past, no matter what that semester of life was like, no matter what that season was, that there is still coming a time that the best days of you when it comes to your relationship with God, that those best days are not behind you, but those best days are ahead. There is a promised land for you to enjoy. Do you believe that? Well, I'm going to take on the role over the next few weeks of trying to, of trying to get you to come to a belief that your best days are ahead. That your best walk with God has not happened yet. And that together as a, as a church family, that as we look back over all the different victories and successes that we have been able to share together, that the best days for our church have not been seen. They're ahead. You see, the promised land, as we like to call it, the promised land was the third stop on the Hebrews' map. The journey for them began in Egypt, and it wound its way through the wilderness and finally reached its destination in Canaan. And each land that they went through, it was a different condition of life. 
In Egypt, the Hebrews were Pharaoh's slaves. In the wilderness, well, they traded one set of shackles for another. They were free from Pharaoh, but they were enslaved by fear. Only in Canaan did they finally come to a point where well, they discovered freedom and, and joy. And I think that for us, we travel a similar road. You see, for us, Egypt represents that time before salvation. It's that time before we were in right relationship with God. It was that time where we lived for ourselves and for our own desires and in our own selfishness. We were shackled by sin. But then came the Deliverer, Jesus Christ, and by his grace and, and by his power, he liberated us from our old life of condemnation and guilt, and he offered us a brand new life in Canaan. You see, understand, our promised land is not a physical territory. It's a spiritual reality. A promised land life is one where we are more than conquerors, just as Sean read earlier. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. A promised land life is one in which we do not lose heart. A life in which Christ's love controls us. A life where even when we're in the midst of troubles, we see them as an opportunity for great joy. A life in which we are anxious for nothing. A life in which we pray without ceasing. In which we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, Canaan and the, and the promised land life, well, that is a life that is defined by grace. It is a life where we focus and forgive as quickly as we are offended. We give as abundantly as we receive. It's a life where, where we delightfully serve out of the overflow of our giftedness. It's a life where we stumble, but we don't collapse. I appreciate Derek reading earlier from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're hard-pressed on every side by troubles but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get back up again. And we're not destroyed. See, Canaan is where, Canaan is where we joyfully trust in God, that where we enjoy overflowing fruit and we grow in passionate faith. And despite what the old hymns suggest when we sing to Canaan's land, I'm on my way, Canaan is not a metaphor for heaven. See, heaven will have no enemies, but, but Canaan had at least seven different hostile nations that were there lined up against the Hebrews. And heaven will have no battles, but Joshua and his men fought at least 31. In heaven, there's not going to be any struggles or stumbles. And yet, you know that the Hebrews staggered and fell, but their victories outnumbered their defeats. You see, Canaan does not represent some life that is to come. Canaan represents the victorious life that God calls us to live now. God calls us and invites us to enter the joy of a promised land life. But there's one condition. Guys, we have to be willing to leave the wilderness. We've got to leave the wilderness. You see, just as Canaan represents the victorious life of a child of God, the wilderness represents the defeated Christian life. After their liberation there from Egypt, you would have expected the Hebrews, man, they would have just been overjoyed. And they would have been overjoyed at all the possibilities that life with Jehovah God offered. However, just three days into their freedom walk, you find in Exodus 15 that, that they begin complaining, saying, hey, what are we going to drink? And then it was just a little bit longer that all of a sudden they start complaining about food. And the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. 
It says, well, you brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. I mean, they kept complaining. They kept pushing against Moses' leadership to the point where he cries out to the Lord. And he's like, Lord, why did you give me these people? I mean, why did you give them to me? What am I supposed to do with them? They're actually about to stone me. I mean, how did they get to this point? How did they go from, from, from being set free to having this, this new life in front of them to all the complaining and the... I don't think it was a lack of witnessing God's power up close and personal. I mean, they had front row seats to watch the plagues bring mighty Egypt to her knees. That they walked through the Red Sea without getting wet. The Egyptian army that raced after them never laid a hand on them. Didn't even get close. But when God called them to cross over into Canaan, they thought it was impossible. So God gave them time to think it over. And for approximately four decades, they walked in circles. They ate the same food. They saw the same sights. It's like getting stuck in one of those roundabouts and just keep going and going and going and going. You know, you, you were there when they started putting all those up around Chattanooga, right? Some of you got in them and it's like, I can't get out. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just here. The kids are going, hey, didn't we need to get out of that? Sorry, going around the horn again, you know? And, and just here you go. And that's what they did. They were saved from Pharaoh, but they were stuck in the desert. Life was just one monotonous, dull, humdrum routine. And I don't know if that sounds familiar to you or not. But if it does, you need to know that you're not alone. I saw this this week, and I was really, it really surprised me. I wanted to share it with you. Uh, there, there was a survey done a few years back by Reveal Research Project. And, and they surveyed members of more than 1,000 churches. And their goal was to determine what percentage of churchgoers are living in the sweet spot. I mean, what percentage of churchgoers are, are moved by their faith to love God, to, to love others with, with, with their whole heart? And you know what they found? The sweet spot Christians, 11%. They found that nearly 9 out of 10 believers in Jesus Christ languish in the wilderness. They are saved but not empowered. They're out of Egypt, but they're not yet in Canaan. Now imagine if a high school only graduated 11% of its students, right? I mean, imagine if hospitals only healed 11% of their patients. Or, or what if your team only won 11% of its games? Well, Tennessee fans, I guess, know what that's like, right, Sean? I mean, uh, I'm sorry. I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier. I thought that, anyway, okay. I mean, wouldn't changes need to be made? And there was. I mean, there was a change. Okay, I know. It happened at Auburn, too, guys. It happened at Auburn, too. Oh. Uh, Hey, but we have to laugh because of, because of this truth right here. Our churches are filled with wandering Christians. Christians who live with oppressive grief even though Jesus offers abundant joy. Christians who carry heavy weights of guilt even though Jesus has promised that there is no condemnation for those who belong to him. Christians who daily fear loss and setbacks and exclusion and failure, even though God has not given them the spirit of timidity and fear, but of power. Christians who are daily conquered by temptations or, or weaknesses, even though they are more than conquerors. Our churches are filled with individuals who are stuck between Egypt and Canaan. But it doesn't have to be that way. You see, I, I want you just for a moment... 
I want you to think about the type of life that you would really like to live. I want you to think about the type of Christian you would like to be. I mean, what type of life do you wish for yourself, for your family? What qualities do you wish that you had more of? Wish you had more compassion, more conviction, more courage? What attitudes do you wish were less prevalent? Less greed, less guilt, less negativity? See, we all have an image of, I mean, this is the life. This is the sweet spot. This is where I want to be living. This is where I, I want to exist. And the good news is that with, God help, with God's help, you can close the gap between the person you are and the person that you desire to be and the person that God intended for you to be. You see, your walls of Jericho, I believe, are ready to crumble. The giants are starting to run. Canaan is yours. The joy of the promised land is right there in your grasp. Just like Brandy Cox found out this week. She was baptized this, this weekend. I, I think Brandy, Brandy's here. Brandy, are you here? Thought I saw you somewhere. Brandy, do you mind just waving? There she is. Yeah. You know, Brandy's heard a message saying, you know what, hey, the sweet spot, this promised land life, this life that is free from guilt, this life that has the power to be able to deal with temptation, this life is there. You just got to be willing to reach out and grab it. Got to be willing to take hold. And then when you do, well, what could be the result for you? What could be the result for your marriage? What could be the result for your peace of mind? What could be the result when it comes to the relationship that you have with your parents? Or, or how could stepping into your sweet spot change your neighborhood? Okay, let's get off of ourselves and everything just for a moment. Let's think about where we are and the people that we are around. How could it impact the hurting and the helpless if you were to step into the sweet spot of life with God? Why not believe what God says about the life that he wants you to live? You see, Joshua and the Hebrews did just that. They went from dry land to the promised land, and they went and inherited their inheritance. I want you to look one more time how their sweet spot was described. So the Lord God gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them, the Lord gave all their enemies into their hands, and not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to personalize that message right there. I, I want you to put yourself in the sweet spot of God. where you read it and say, the Lord gave Chris all the life he had sworn to give. And Becky took possession of it. The Lord gave John rest on every side. And not an enemy stood. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Catherine failed. Everyone was fulfilled. Would you put your name in there? 
Would you put your name in there and claim the promise that God has for his people? And believe what God has said. That there is a joy of a promised land life. There is a sweet spot that you can have. That the best days of your life with God are not behind you. They are in front of you. And that, yes, the walls of Jericho, those walls in your life are falling. And that the giants are beginning to run. And that there is something different than what you have right now. And it is life with God in the sweet spot. Wouldn't you like to have that? Believe what has been asked of you. Believe what has been given for you. And reach out and grab it and take hold. It's a beautiful thing. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we all long to be in a close relationship with you. But for many of us, we feel like that the best days are behind us. The best days of our service, the best days of our forgiveness, the best days of our stewardship, the best days of our commitment. I pray that as we go through this study and as we look into your, your word and as we walk together with, with Joshua and the group that was with him, that we will be reminded that there is still joy and there's a promised land for us to inherit. That there is a sweet spot of life that, that we can step into. Or if we're there, that we can continue in. And Father, we are thankful to be able to rejoice about individuals who are being baptized, individuals who are experiencing your grace and love perhaps for the first time. And Father, we want to see more of that because we believe that the best days for our church family are still in front of us. That there's going to be more healing that takes place. That there are going to be more who will be brought closer in their relationship with you. That we will celebrate more baptisms, that we will celebrate more restorations, that we will, that we will celebrate together more commitments, that we will celebrate more praying, we will celebrate more giving, we will celebrate more serving, We'll celebrate more helping. We'll celebrate more welcoming. Father, we'll celebrate more singing. Father, help us, remind us, allow us to discover again what living in the sweet spot with you is all about. Restore our joy so that we might be able to live victoriously and bring others along for the ride. To the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Church, we want you to know that we are so glad that you are here today. And that as we conclude everything this morning, that we'll have one of our elders, one of our pastors will be back in our lobby in the prayer room that's located there. And you're welcome to go and to spend some time there. If you'd like to talk more about what it means to live in that sweet spot, if you'd like to talk about being baptized into Christ because of your belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we'd love for you to take that opportunity. And we want you to know that the opportunity is also available for you to text a prayer request at any time. It could be today. Or it could be during the week, 423-455-5530. Just text the word prayer. You'll get another prompt, and then you can enter your prayer request. 
It'll be seen by one of our elders today and prayed over. And uh, during the week, members of our staff will be getting that information in and then disseminating that out. And we encourage you to take advantage of that. Guys, enjoy living in the sweet spot. We're going to close out singing a song uh, that reminds us of the victorious life that God has intended for us to live. But we've got to step out of the wilderness. And sometimes it's hard to sing when we're in the wilderness. And this is one of those songs that remind us that we're going to sing going into the land of promise. Derek.